0: Welcome to Pivot to First. Hi, I'm Mike Seidel. I'm the CTO at Pivot CX. Every day I get to work with some of the brightest minds in the industry with one goal, turning hiring and people strategy into a competitive advantage. Hi, I'm Mike Seidel, Chief Technical Officer here at Pivot CX, and today I'm joined by Kat Kibben, uh, the expert on writing job posts. Actually, I'm really excited about having Kat join us because job posts are one of the things that we see consistently where our customers really... Uh, go out of their way to sabotage their recruiting efforts before they even get started it's almost like they stumble out of the starting blocks it's not just our customers i think it's almost everybody in recruiting so i'm really excited to have cat here cat is one of the only uh, job post rewriting experts in the world and has one of the only companies that solves exactly that problem so I'm going to start off uh, just and ask Kat, how did you get into doing this? What, what drove you to be so interested in job posts that you've made a, a whole business out of rewriting them?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the plumber of recruiting. I, I'm the person you call for that one thing. And if you looked at my resume, you'd probably be a little confused. Uh, I worked my way up on the marketing side first in HR technology companies. And by the time I was 27, 28, I was a CMO. And I loved it. I love being able to pull levers and understand how things work. But I also learned that the C in front of my job, and both of you will understand this, is see me for problems. And uh, I like the doing. I like the creating of the work. And so I decided to take a pivot, no pun intended, in my career. And so from there, I was a managing editor of a blog about recruiting. All I did was talk to smart people, understand how they did it, why, and write about it. And it was, I mean, the equivalent of getting a PhD in recruiting because it was completely research-based. It was all informed by actual work and being able to bring that back to a large audience of recruiters and teach them how to be better. And by the time I got my air quotes, PhD in recruiting, I got the itch to actually do the work. And so I worked an employer brand for Fortune 100s, learning how they wrote their values, their websites, and their stories. And ultimately, the thing that I figured out is that hiring is hard everywhere, right? No matter the company, even with all the resources and the money in the world, they were struggling with hiring, but there was one thing they all had in common, not a single person knew how to write, not one. And they did not know how to explain what they needed or be very clear about that content. They were copying and pasting what everyone else had done, because that's, that's the recruiter go-to, right? I don't know how to do this. So I'll just go and grab a template. Um, and when I started my company, I had no interest in doing job postings solely, but I did a presentation where I learned the research aspect, and it brings together everything I've ever done. It is one part marketing, one part copywriting, and one part employer brand that actually creates an impact on the bottom line. And we pivoted at that point to creating a business that only does job postings because I wanted to do work that had bottom line impact. And job postings consistently have that impact, no matter the role, no matter the industry.
0: You know, what's really interesting, Cat, is you and I have something in common. We both came from outside of the industry. Um, I actually used to own a traditional advertising agency where we were doing all kinds of digital advertising for e-commerce companies and that kind of thing. And when I came into recruiting, I was absolutely floored by the same exact problem that you see. When I got got my start in the really recruiting space, it was HR tech. I went to work um, doing a um, operating one of the bigger scraping networks that, that supplies jobs to Indeed and, and all of these other job boards um, by scraping career sites. So I got to look at tons and tons of of, of job posts. And I was just absolutely uh, blown away by, uh, you know, the lack of, of great writing that was there, all the things you said. So it's super, super exciting to see somebody doing something about that problem. Um, so, you know, as, as you got into doing this and rewriting job posts, what, what are you seeing companies do out there that really, um, you know, if you were going to say, start with these three things to write a good job post, what are the th- three most important things?
1: Yeah, don't make the most common mistakes. I think that's what surprised me when I was looking at that high volume of job postings. That's the funny story behind this is me becoming a job posting expert was by accident. So I told you about that presentation at the end, I offered to write job postings for free. And I had nine hundred people contact me in sixty minutes. Oh wow! Uh huh. And that's what we built our methodology off of—is actually doing every single one of those because I am a person of my word. And we did every single one. If a manager would show up and do an intake with us, and what I learned is that they—the job post—the output was very similar, but Mm -hmm. the prop and. I was surprised by that. I assumed it would be different, right? A tech job versus an hourly job versus a this. I thought I would have to have a million templates. Not the case. The commonality all of them had was they made the exact same mistakes. So the first one is they would post job descriptions instead of job postings. So that's when you post 1,200 or more words, right? With 1,200 bullets and I'm just scrolling and scrolling and the, dif- the problem is that most people don't even know the difference between a description and a posting. You should be posting marketing content. That's a job post. A job description is a compensation document that we use to fire people, right? Right. You not put that on the internet. The second thing is the postings were way too long. Okay, just, I mean, they were making things up. And it was very obvious to me because, third mistake, full of buzzwords. And the buzzwords, I think the issue with those is that we all know the word, but we fall back to them when we don't know how to be explicit or we don't have context. And so all of a sudden, and I'm confident you've seen this, we have a thousand postings that all are looking for highly collaborative team players. Even though you and I both know as company owners, a highly collaborative team player is wildly different based on the culture and the need of the business.
0: Yeah, it always blows my mind when I look at a job post um, and they start off with, you know, Our company was founded in 1896, and and you start reading through it, and it's like they just took the company description, pasted that first, and then took the job description like you're talking about, pasted that second, and and nowhere in it did anybody think about, um, you know, this this advertisement here, that's what it really is, is uh, got... A couple of, of really important things that it does one one of which is getting getting me on when i'm on a job board to actually click on the title <laughs> and then the second thing is to get me to actually read it and decide whether i should apply to that job or not decide whether i'm a good fit or not now you know one of the this is one uh, one place here where i'm really glad we had david bernstein on the call with us because unlike you and i david is kind of a lifer in the the, the recruiting space and David, I got to ask you a question here. I know when you, you told me we were getting Cat to go on the podcast, you were, you were excited about it. Do you, do you see the job posts still, do you see those as being just a, a huge problem for most companies?
2: Oh, hands down, right? Uh, uh, I don't, there's no one I know went to school to become a recruiter, right? You can go to school and get help and, and learn how to be in finance or marketing people fall into recruiting, and then they either fall out of it pretty quickly or they, they, it becomes their lifelong pursuit, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that they had any inkling or understanding of what it really takes to be successful across. And the, and the thing that's, you know, those of us who've been studying this and you know we have our PhDs in recruiting, right, who kind of watch what it takes to really be successful, understand that there's really a lot of component parts Right. It's not just about, oh, I feel good on helping someone get a job. Right. There's there's so many, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the the head and the heart you have to use to kind of help someone understand why they should get out of this chair and come come and work over here and convince that hiring manager, right? There's all of that kind of work, but how do you first woo them? Right, it's a whole wooing exercise to attract someone to and the psychology of that and understanding open rates, right? Like you said, Mike, the, the subject line's uh, uh, the equivalent, right? You're, you're in a sea of job uh, results on a, cert- on a job board, right? Why should I open that accounting job versus this other one, right? It, it's understanding how it really impacts people to wanna think like this is the accounting job I might really want, right? Th- those are not things that you, right? You just, when you fall into recruiting, you don't understand all these component parts, right? Um, So I I am seeing more and more recruiting teams, but the larger teams that have the resources, obviously, are now starting to really bring in brand types of people into their team, right, and creating, right, but not everybody has that wherewithal to really create that. So a lot of words to your short question. It is hands down a problem. You know, when I was working my job distribution days as well, I was doing analytics on these, and I could easily see, you know, two jobs on the same job board, both for the same type of role, but... One was getting tons of response and one was getting your zero, right? You definitely can see how, how matter, right? And how to think about the structuring of it all. So anyway, I don't mean to.
1: But, and you also just hit on the emotional yeah. aspect here. And it's one of the reasons why we specialize in job postings and why I care so much. So a little background on me. It, I lost my job a few days before I bought a house. All right. It, I'm Ouch. not kidding. 48 hours and i tell this story i tell this story when i Mm -hmm. when i speak on job postings and here's why i went home panicked i had everything on the line my very first home i come from a military family there was no one to call to ask for money or help right military and teachers you can imagine what the budget looks like and i remember going home opening up the internet typing in my job title into the internet and being replied to with lies and cliches. My favorite Facebook, you need 10 years of Facebook experience and Facebook had not been around that long. Right. Mm. And there I was with everything on the line, everything. This was my dream. I grew up an army brat, you know, having a home that that was life altering and to have people meet me at that moment. When I was willing to change everything, and the point I always try to make and remind people is this, my story is dramatic, but I'm not special. Every day, millions of people around the world have something that they're willing to change everything for. Because if you change a job, you are saying something is wrong in my life and I'm willing to change everything down to the computer I touch every day to change this part. Like, I, I will change anything if you just help me get out of here. And the job posting is the first touch point. If you want to stand out, sure. if you want to be best in class, what, how are we going to make that crap? Pardon my language, but but how are we going to start with junk and then expect to create world-class candidate experiences when you started by not even making it clear what you wanted?
2: Yeah, it doesn't any together, right?
0: It yep. makes zero sense. It, it really does. Um, that's it. It's almost. Uh, it's amazing that the situation is the way it is. You know, as if you're a job seeker, I, you know, I feel bad for a lot of them because they go in in this sea of, of garbage and try to find you know an employer that's going to care about about them. And you're right. The the first impression is the job post, and I think there's only one place in that process that that recruiters do a worse job than the job post. And that's what happens after somebody applies that, that process gets really bad. (laughs) Um, so you kind of have this thing where we're starting off on the wrong foot and then, and then, you know, kind of back to the whole thing of we're all in the starting line here. We're about to start running the race, starting gun fires and we trip on our left foot and then we, you know, break our right leg. Um, we, we really, as, as an industry do a poor job of that initial experience and it really should look like a great job post. Tell me as a candidate what I need to know so I can decide I want to apply. Give me a reason to be excited about it. Right?
1: Yes. Like I you said, emotions. Yes. A great job posting only does two things. Do I want it? Can I do it? And if I can't answer those two questions at the end, you missed it. You missed the whole damn point, right? It's not even worth doing like go out and source because if someone cannot answer that question at the end, you will not get a qualified applicant. And that's the point of the job posting is not more. So so
0: you're telling me what stock exchange my company trades on doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) Or, or when they're like, Oh, you can take 14 holidays. And I'm like, yeah, you and every other company out there, like, we all know how many PTO holidays you get on the calendar here. Like that's built into Google. Tell me something good. Tell me something special.
0: That is, uh, it's just, okay. So how, how, aside hiring, aside hiring you or in three dogs media or three, three years media, how do uh, you know, I approach like, like a job post if I'm an employer, how do I just, you know, let's assume that we're just doing it wrong, throw it out. I got a blank piece of paper in front of me. I'm going to write a job title on it. What do I do?
1: Yeah. So I think there's four, th- four areas where we can massively improve this. It starts with a hiring manager intake where you do not ask for a list. All right. If you ask questions and you get a list, you are setting yourself up for disappointment because a list means that someone's going to treat you like a grocery delivery app and get really mad that you missed the eggs when they have a qualified hire there. We're going to ask for people to imagine experiences this person has had that would qualify them for the role, not lists of skills. So great hiring manager intake and improving your skills there is number one. Number two, getting a job title that people actually search. Then I have a whole methodology around that, right? Because if people do not find your job, it actually doesn't matter what else I teach you. Not one bit. Right. Right? If no one even finds it, you could write the best job posting in the world and it still doesn't work. The next piece is a job pitch. This is what you should have for email outreach and all and to answer the three most important questions for psychological motivation of people. The impact of my work is number one. Why are you hiring me? What impact do I have on your business? Number two, what am I going to do every day? That's kind of an obvious one. And the third one is the most obvious, which is the minimum requirements. I probably have to do the most teaching on that one because minimum means that it, with the help of God, Google, and a great mentor, you could not figure this out if you have not done it before. That's what minimum means. The last one is the requirements for the job or being able to explain it in a way that to someone who's never done the work before, that they understand, again, and they can answer those two most important questions. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I want to. No, I don't want to do this.
0: So,
2: yeah. let's go. So we, oh, go, yeah, ahead. go there's ahead, a dude. lot of, yeah. No, I just, so, I mean, the whole thing then is just uh, starts from a, uh, the wrong place, but you've got um, all sorts of biases that then are baked into the current process, right? Yes. Um, I guess so. As I, as I kind of, you know, uh, turn my head sideways and kind of look at things, so, you know, there's a lot of phrasing where people say recruiting is broken. And when uh, I'll go back to your plumber analogy, right? If, if my plumbing is broken, I don't get water coming out of my sink. It's broken, right? Uh, it doesn't work. And and so when we say recruiting is broken, I kind of flinch a little bit because somehow people are getting hired every day and job boards are, are you know, full of job postings and people are applying. And so something in the process gets things done. And yet we would all say, it's not good, right? It's, there's a problem here. And they've got all this bias and all these other things. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, uh, can you speak to, you know, what, what is it? What, what you, I see your head nodding. So what, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I you know. personally believe the brokenness comes down to some math. Recruiting is broken because we try to control variables we can't, right? So we say we're going to negotiate the salary. I can, I can go and find these articles for you as a former marketer in this world, right? I can go tell you about all the ones that all these HR tech companies wanna, air quotes, own the keywords for because they, they are the problems that we most often focus on. Oh, we're gonna do better interview training. We can do whatever, right? But if you don't even put the right candidate in the pipeline, how do you get the right person? And let's go back one more step. If you cannot describe the hire, how do we end up with the right person on the other side? And the recruiting is broken is actually, right? We're going back, 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 and the recruiting is broken causes hiring the wrong person, higher turnover, and then people hate work. And we just have this broken cycle beginning to end that keeps repeating itself because we didn't identify in the first place what we were looking for we didn't even agree on that it's like sending you into the room and being like find it and i don't even tell you what you're looking for. Yeah. you're like what is it so I think not to make it, it
2: semantic though Yeah, you know, uh, but so for i'll use another analogy when i'm out of milk i go to the store i know i need milk something i have a i have a need Right. And I think that what's happening in recruiting is it's not broken enough. And so everything you're talking about, like I'm eating it up. All right. I, up, you had me at hello. Right. And, and yet there's not enough of our industry that feels it's broken enough. May, maybe it's a degree of brokenness. Right. Versus, you know, um, anyway, am I making any sense? I, I think that that's where um, because how do we get people? And, you know, Mike's a real question to you is, you know, we've got all this stuff being done wrong air quotes wrong and yet we and we know what it could be better so how you know and you listed out your you know your framework there was perfect um but where how do we get the journey beginning right how do we get this industry is it, it's one team at a time right we got to just you know your head on it what, what are you thinking? let me get let you get I think we working, also
1: right? have a dimension of time sensitivity right so if one of the marketer's favorite words is overhaul and transform and i very regularly remind people that there's no overhauling or transformation in hr it's just not going to happen recruiting is not overhauling or transforming because we have to fix the basics we're fixing fixing foundations and so ultimately i think they're that time sensitivity they're thinking this is a transformation equals this is going to take a lot of time When in reality, fixing the job posting is 30 minutes up front, that's always my goal is I want a 30-minute hiring manager intake that will save you weeks, right? They don't understand that these recruiting touch points, these conversations, they overhaul every single hire, not just one. We're not... Like we're changing how we do things so that we end up in the right place consistently. And you, it has to go back to basics. It is not ripping everything apart and you have to make time for the basics that matter.
0: Well, I think that's interesting because you bring up a a topic that comes up with, with us a lot, which is, um, you know, what we spend time on. And when we look at most recruiters and, and David, you know this probably better than any of anybody on the podcast right now, when you spend your time in, in meetings and you're spending your time doing a lot of resume screenings and a lot of time on administrative work, the thing that you're not doing is focusing on writing a job post and, or more importantly, you know, and, and I think equally importantly, actually, you're not spending time actually talking to the people that are applying. And that leads to, I think, really kind of the beginning of that broken cycle. We, we start our relationships off, in a way that they're just completely broken. We've misset your expectations in the job post. And then we, we failed to really engage and talk to you as a human being um, in, in the actual, you know, beginning of that recruiting process. And it's both those things are really easy to, easy to talk about fixing. It's really easy to go, you know, we just need to rewrite all our job posts. And it's also really easy to say, you know, if we only talk to more of our candidates, we'd get a better result. Those are easy things to say, but they're just, They seem really hard
2: to do. Yeah. So if we go back to what you were saying, Katrina, if if the number one thing is is a recruiter really needs to understand that it's not just a checkbox checklist item, get the job description, right? That it's fundamentally it's such a critical first step. If if that mindset, right? Because I think if you, I I live one of my adages. I love is you know mindset, skill set, tool set. So if you first get that right mindset, then people want, typically will pursue the skills they need to, to support that mindset and then often look for the tools to help them be successful with those skills, right? So I think that there's a flow, but if we can get folks to just fundamentally understand that mindset, that job postings and words matter, and then that this is really, um, and it, like you said, it's a foundational item, right?
1: And I think that's one of the problems in our industry is there's no education pipeline. And you touched on this earlier, David, right? There is not a degree for recruiting. And so we cannot make the assumption that every recruiter knows how to do anything. No offense to recruiters. I know you're listening. This is not calling all of you dumb. It's saying there's no consistency. Not everyone knows how to. And I believe... That job postings are part of the toolbox, that every single recruiter should know how to do them. Uh, You know, while my business does offer being able to write job postings, we always lean toward training because fundamentally, I do not believe you can get the right person if you don't even know what you're looking for. It just, there's no way.
2: was wondering the, uh, so we, you know, job postings are typically seen as a very active candidate type of, but, but. We also passive candidate source as well. Can can you talk a little bit about how you see the the intersection there as well?
1: Yeah, what's really interesting about the passive roles is that these job postings become content in the recruiting process, and you can repurpose all of it if you do a really good job on the first one. The other really interesting impact we're starting to see is that specifically for highly technical roles um, or highly niche roles that are very unique is that someone else sees it who knows that person is looking right so let's say this is a senior database software engineer and their wife is looking for a job and she's out there looking typing whatever looking for her own gig and then she gets a promoted ad because people don't target correctly and she clicks on it because she thinks to herself oh my partner's really interested that's my partner's job title and sends it to them because She's like, wow, this sounds so different from anything I've ever heard. And that's the ultimate impact of great recruitment marketing is we get someone to share it and we get someone to say, wow, this is so different. Because if they remember it, maybe they'll be looking in the future. They'll say, oh, I remember this company. They did this. And we're creating these moments of impact that can really impact your bottom line today and long term in ways that we haven't even been able to measure because measuring is struggling
0: (laughs) so so Kat, i've i've you know i've looked at my job posts i need help how how do we engage with how do we engage with you how do we how do we fix this problem how
1: yeah what's that look like so typically it's someone in the product department saying i want to change our job postings we have to stand out i can't get good talent to my technical team and typically that's where it starts, and then they come to me and say, I want a transformation, and, and we have the conversation about why that, that word is the no-no word. Uh, and so we start by creating standardization, because one of the <laughs> easiest ways to create bias is to lack consistency. We set the standards and figure out those baselines. We typically do some kind of job library, so your hardest-to-fill jobs, your highest-volume jobs. My team will write And so you get those within 48 hours and people really like being able to create that immediate impact. Then we train your team. Then we train your hiring managers. And that's the one that most people are surprised to hear. But I believe that knowing how to write a job posting or at a minimum being able to describe the skills of someone on your team and to describe success is a leadership skill, not just a recruiter skill. And when we introduce that information to an entire organization, the next step is one, more excited hiring managers, which we all love, right? People who actually want to talk to us. But two, they come informed. Instead of coming with a, a job posting, they air quotes like, which is my mm-hmm. best favorite, right? They come to us with real experiences. They're more prepared because they've been introduced to philosophically how we're gonna do this now, right? They're introduced to this idea that we ask for experiences, not skills, where some of the most common biases lay, and just broadly how things are changing and they're more excited to be part of the hiring process
0: so like like anything that's really worth doing you know this isn't something that you can just go hey let's rewrite some posts you really do need to look at the underlying process where where these posts are coming from and help people understand uh what they what they need to ask for and how they need to explain it so th- there's you know, like everything that's so easy to say, it's always a little harder to do than you think.
1: And that's why job posting technology doesn't work, right? These biased, air quote, bias, job post bias, dis- job description graders, all of that. The reason mm-hmm. they do not work at the beginning of a process or in the creation is because not one tool can tell you you're not telling the truth. Not one tool can tell you you're exaggerating, but people can. If you know the questions to ask, if you know the structure of a good question, and that's really what I'm teaching people is, you know, creating contrast, challenging. If we can challenge, then we can use this technology to get us to the finish line and use AI to be smarter. But you can't use it at the beginning because no AI is smart enough to say you're not telling the truth.
0: You know, we, we invested a lot of money in building chatbots before we, we kind of threw them out and started doing human-to-human human chat here. Um, we, we spent, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed by how much money we spent building that. But um, what we realized is, is we put interns up against the chatbot, the interns won. Uh, and all we were doing is going um, chatbot versus intern, who can turn more applies into interviews? I love that through a text conversation and the, the interns got three times more interviews. Um, And we looked at that and go, why is that? We started reanalyzing the conversations and really the, the hard thing with AI is they're they're very good at pattern recognition. And, and the problem we have with conversations is um, it's really, really hard to recognize a pattern when everybody is saying different things.
1: We are working with the most unpredictable variable in the whole world. People. Exactly. (laughs) Yes.
0: And, and so we, we, we found that, we found, you know, human intelligence is just very different than artificial intelligence right here. And then when you go look at the use case with, with all the tools that are out there for doing job posts, the problem is training the AI. The problem is how do I get good data to give to the AI? Because if I give, uh, if I train an AI on job posts that have biases, I will have created the racist, uh, sexist, gender phobic AI that will do all of your discrimination for you. And eventually the government will catch on and send you a strongly worded letter that says you owe us money for being a bigot. Um, that's how it works. And, and it's really important. You know, you've got to get these things right, which leads to really, what are the mistakes you see people make in a job post that really causes what would otherwise be a great job post to become discriminatory.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, a little background on this and how I got to this response is actually that I did a hundred year research study of job postings, because what the three of us know is that job postings haven't changed since the beginning <laughs> of my career. They haven't changed. How about you two? Same, they're the same postings that you saw when you were 21, right?
0: I, I'm not sure they've changed from when somebody took a handwritten piece of paper and nailed it to a post in a dockyard somewhere. Yes.
1: And that's where I started this research. Right. And so that job posting, the first job posting on record is actually the best one because it said uh, something about, you know, you'll be a sailor and you probably won't come home. And I was like, they're actually telling the truth that you might die. Right. Most postings don't even meet that bar. And so in that hundred year research study, what we did is we saw new tactics when they were introduced. And we also compared that with social movements at the time to understand if they were impacting. So these are things like years of experience. That is a direct sign of ageism because years of experience quantifies time, but it qualifies no one. And the first time you see it, you'll both enjoy this, is right around the time that technology became part of the job. And it was the people who were much older who didn't want to use computers were using large, really high years of experience bans to keep kids who knew how to use computers out of the jobs. They thought that they it's wow. jobs. Mm. Yep. I did not know that. College degrees, the first time you see it is right around the sixties. It's a right it's aligned with the civil rights movement and they were using it as a way to keep black and brown people, people of color, out of jobs. And you see it rise first in the Southeast and then spread across the country. And it's because people copied and pasted everyone else's work. Oh, I like this. It's this pretty good. I'm going to use this to find my person. When in reality, college degree is a privilege bias. If you're a doctor, an accountant, or a lawyer, you probably didn't learn how to do what you do every day at a college. You learned plenty of other things and probably racked up a decent bill, but you did not learn how to do your job. And so when we require college degrees universally, we require privilege universally. And the roots are racist. Right, these are the things that are so common. Academic, right? And we, exactly, yeah. and we just copy and paste our way into incorporating. So the, a that lot of,
0: way. Kat, a lot of what you're saying these these aren't just just common things. These are in everything, and you know that that leads me to a question and, and something I, I wanted to ask you. When when you look at a job post, a lot of times you'll have requirements, and, and it might require that I be able to do certain things, mm-hmm. and then they'll have this list of Optional things, and the optional things often um, often are the exact things that you're talking about here, where it's like college degree preferred and that kind of thing, where where they were trying to say no, we don't need to have that. Um, If you're really trying to put a minimum requirement, why even prefer anything?
1: Exactly, preferences are for restaurants. I prefer pepper on my pasta. I prefer steak over shrimp. A job posting belong, no preferences. And the reason is the psychology of the person on the other side. And this is another bias, right? So Mm -hmm. Intel and a million other companies have replicated this study where if you put a laundry list of requirements in front of two people with the exact same qualifications, one is male and one identifies as female, you will get a completely different response rate. That's because the psychology says, right? A man will apply if they perceive to be 60% qualified. A woman has to be 80% qualified or more to hit apply. And so this literally, the infrastructure, the style you use impacts and creates consequences on your pipeline. Yeah. the consequences right. at that.
0: No, it's, it's amazing how... We don't think about these things and, and how we got to where we are, but the story on, on a lot of these things are, are often surprising. And, and um, you know, a lot of the things that we think we're being inclusive in a job post, we might actually be doing the exact opposite.
1: Yeah. And that's, again, where it pays off to train the hiring managers, right? Because they can advocate, but they also won't insist on doing it the biased way. If we educate managers, and I've seen this across the board, I'm talking we've done everything from a mom-and-pop shop to a state government to a Fortune 100, okay? And when we train hiring managers, they start asking different questions in the intake. They come more prepared, and they actually tell the truth, which is if you've done this before, you're qualified for my job, not if you did it for this long. Because, again, if you, ha- if you and I had the exact same job for three years, even at the exact same company, I cannot guarantee we do the same thing every day. It doesn't even make sense that we would do the same thing every day. Hmm. My favorite is when you ask a room of recruiters that question, and you say, okay, let's assume every single person was a director of recruiting for two years, all right? Would mm-hmm. you assume that every one of you did the exact same thing For those two years and they're like absolutely not i'm like why are the years of experience two years of director level experience in recruiting on your job posting and you watch their face and again this is common sense right when we break down the pieces you watch people it clicks with them they get it this is all common sense this is not some like huge creative concept we don't need any purples purple unicorn elephants whatever in our jobs
0: So, just to kind of wrap things up, are there any is there anything that we didn't ask you that we should have?
1: I think length of the job posting is one more piece, and that's what keeps it conversational. So, we want to target about 250 words for your job posting, right? We're talking about all these things we want to include. The length right. of the posting is the other variable that we want to think about. Attention spans are getting shorter. I call it my toilet theory of attention span. The average person's attention span is about as long as they sit on the toilet for a number one. All right. It's short. So targeting that 250 words gets you in an area where someone reads the whole thing beginning to end. I love when people complain, no one qualified applies for this job. I was like, did you read it beginning to end? Because I'm having a hard time. I don't imagine they are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kat. We've got a few questions that we always ask guests of Pivot to First. So I'll ask you the first one here. Um, What business book is your favorite book?
1: It's called The Story Brand. Uh, and it teaches about a hero model. I think every single business owner should read. It's called The Story Brand by Donald Miller. It's not my favorite personal book, but definitely favorite business book.
0: You know, you're gonna laugh at this, but if I were to uh, walk through the camera to the desk back behind it, that book is sitting right over there.
1: No joke. No. That no joke. transformed my business, truly. That is a fantastic it, book. Yeah, it teaches you how to talk about your business in a way that's very very clear to the person on the other side and if you walk through that exercise and you really do it, every single step, it will make you a better marketer and just a better conversationalist. I think every recruiter should read it too.
0: Well, don't tell the recruiters. Every recruiter secretly is a, a little bit of a marketer. <laughs>
1: they got a dash of it.
0: <laughs> got a lot, they got a little bit in there for sure. Um Personal side,
1: what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? I'm not really a movie person. I know everyone gives me the look when I say that. But I tra- I'm i currently traveling the country in a van. And so I don't have a TV. Uh, I use my computer for work. But if I have to watch a movie over and over again, it's probably some corny rom-com like When Harry Met Sally or Sleepless in Seattle. I just love old, like the movies that I've seen a 100 times.
0: Okay, and just to wrap things up, tell us how to get a hold of you. And uh, also, I understand you have an ebook.
1: I do. I am the only Katrina Kibben in the world. And so, if you spell my name right, you'll find me. If you spell my name wrong, you will find a priest who works for the U.S. House of Representatives. And if you know anything about me, you know that is way off of my brain. Uh, and so, my company <laughs> is Three Ears Media. Three, the number spelled out, ears like the ones on your head. And if you're listening to this, I think you know how to spell media. So you can put all that together, threeearsmedia.com, and you can get my free ebook over there. And it's a, an ebook that will teach you how to write a job posting beginning to end. It'll give you that title methodology of how to create something that's searchable, some frameworks that'll make it really easy to write because this is not a creativity contest. And there's a little bonus discount at the end, too, if you're interested in getting a course or anything to help you get the more practical, tactical, and really get into applying this in your recruiting role.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, Kat.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you for For David me.
0: and uh, the rest of the team here at Pivot CX. have a great afternoon.